Hello and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. I thought you were our friends. (laughs) This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 85, Traitor. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened in the Attack on Titan anime, so you've been warned. Should have said it like how Kylo Ren said it in The Force Awakens. Traitor! Traitor! (laughs) Well, speaking of Star Wars, let's talk about what's been going on with us lately, because I feel like... What does Star Wars have to do with us lately? I don't know. You've been talking about (laughs) Kenobi a lot on our Discord with everyone in the Discord, and I don't know anything about it, but the discussions look intense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I think it started to get into um, like how Disney canon is so vastly different from the canon of the expanded universe or now known as Star Wars Legends. And by vastly different, I think it's it's mostly like negative. <laughs> but in terms of yeah, Kenobi um, in, in, in Star Wars culture, they released the new teaser trailer for the upcoming obi-wan kenobi series on disney plus and so a couple of our discord users were just talking about that um it seems like a lot of us are pretty hyped for the show and myself included it's just great seeing um, ewan mcgregor back in the role again even though the trailer itself didn't feature enough kenobi to my liking uh but it did have duel of the fates in the trailer music so that was pretty epic i was gonna ask about that that's the only thing that i think is like a very casual star wars fan i i would be curious about that i would want from some sort of reboot like this um and yeah i'm glad to hear that duel of the fates is gonna be in there <laughs> yeah but we'll, we'll have a a while to wait until the series first episode drops on may 25th so not may the 4th because everyone loves that the pun that's in that day of the year um but it's kind of cool because may 25th was the original release date for a new hope back in 1977 so the the first star wars movie um so it's it's cool that they will be using may 25th to premiere the kenobi series so looking forward to that and i guess that that's how we'll segue from what's going on in our lives using Star Wars. <laughs> well, wait, I have a really important question. Again, as a casual Star Wars fan, um, and this is critical, what is the over-under on Hayden Christensen's teeth making an appearance in this show? Because the guy's <laughs> teeth are really nice. When he talks about slaughtering the women and the children, he shows his teeth like the only Not time. just the men. Not just the men. What is it? But the women but, and the children too yeah. or whatever. I hated them. When he says I hated them, his teeth come out. And it's like the only time you ever see his teeth in any of the movies, but they're glorious. They're glorious. If you Google like Anakin teeth, there's just like screenshots of it because they're glorious. Well, you know, after what happened on Mustafar, I'm sure his teeth aren't going to be looking that glorious anymore i don't know what that means the the final battle between anakin and obi-wan oh where he starts like (laughs) screaming because he's on fire yeah where he he gets or he right before he is transformed into darth vader spoiler alert well i mean how Um, old is that movie right (laughs) (laughs) i was like a kid when that came out yeah um so i don't i don't know i like Caden christensen 
is returning to the role as Darth Vader for this series uh, in some capacity that's also uh, that also comes with some controversy um, so I don't know how heavily he's his teeth are going to be featured <laughs> um, so I can't say much about that but um, I have a personal bet that uh, the first thing that Obi-Wan is going to say in this series like the first time we see him on screen and the first thing he speaks is going to be hello there well didn't you like retweeted <laughs> something from some twitter account that said hello there right that was the official obi-wan kenobi like series twitter account was that their very first tweet yeah i love that that's that's <laughs> smart that's brilliant marketing so i'm i'm holding out hope uh no star wars pun intended that huh. hello there will be kenobi's first line in that series well we'll see i guess when the show comes out we'll circle back with everyone and see if uh if we were i guess right or wrong in, in our bets about the teeth and about the hello there but in anime related updates um uh, i don't know what have we been watching lately have you been watching anything I ask you that again as if I don't know, but we live together, so. <laughs> uh, on the anafr- on, on the anafront. On the anafront. <laughs> <laughs> on the anime front, honestly, I don't think I've been watching things as diligently. Um, of course, we are trying to get through Hunter Hunter. Um, we are in the throes of the Chimera Ant arc, which I is... I feel like we're like maybe at the end of it. Seems like it, although whenever I pull it up, on Crunchyroll, the episode where we left off, I, I see the image previews and it still looks like we have a ways to go before the end of the Chimera Ant arc. Well, it's uh, it's getting better. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say in general, with every arc so far in Hunter x Hunter, I feel like it starts off not grabbing my attention, but as the episodes go on, I get like significantly more and more invested. I feel like the second half of every arc to me is like so much more gripping and amazing than like the first half first half and maybe that's typical because the first half is kind of building the situation so it's going to be a little less exciting um but yeah i kind of have like these little dips when a new arc starts but then that quickly goes away as they like dive into everything more so yeah it's been another very interesting arc in the show and I'm sure people who have watched the show are probably listening to us like, you have no fucking idea. I, everyone keeps telling us that. They're like, just wait. Just wait. You have no fucking idea. And I'm like scared. Well, what what I'm so anime scared. fan doesn't say that? I, I know, like right? Every, or even manga fans, they're always like, oh, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. I know. I, I, I always say that about like Attack on Titan or like Code Geass, um, just like adding to the dread for the, the new viewer. But on the flip side with JoJo. I say it in like a good way. They're like, this show's so weird. I'm like, just wait, just wait. You have no idea. It gets weirder. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, I've really been enjoying Hunter Hunter. Um, we'll have to keep uh, everyone posted on our progress throughout that. Is there anything else that you're watching? I know you're watching Police in a Pod. That's like the one thing you're watching that I'm not this season, right? Yeah. Um, I, I Those shows that I was watching on the side, I, I have to play some catch up on. Um, I think right now I'm still on a Batman high. <laughs> Cause, oh right, because we saw the Batman. Yeah, we saw the Batman a couple weeks ago, um, and I, I kind of posted a mini review on our Discord server. So if you're part of our Discord, you can check that out. In I think it's the other nerdy stuff channel. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and I, I enjoyed the movie. I didn't think it was like a, a masterpiece, as a lot of reviews have been touting it. Um, I still think the Dark Knight is the better overall film, in my opinion. Same. Although I will say that. This is probably the most Batman film 
if you're comparing the Dark Knight and the Batman. Um, so, yeah, I've mostly just been consuming like uh, some some Batman lore um, recently. Uh, re reread the comic or the graphic novel The Long Halloween, and I was doing that just to preface or to prepare watching the animated version of that story because uh, I think the both parts are on HBO Max. So. Not much on the anime front, unfortunately, but I will be changing that soon once I get off of my Batman high. Hey, well, that's fair. We we enjoy a lot of other things besides um, besides anime. And speaking of which, what a segue! I, I was gonna plug this a little <laughs> bit later, but that's a perfect segue. Yeah, into um, a quick announcement. We were recently invited back to TV Trivia Pod to do Thor trivia. So our good friend Brian at TV Trivia Pod has actually been um, a guest uh, on Strictly Anime, specifically for the Attack on Titan um, special event. And he invited us back on and he was like, I'm thinking about having you guys watch Thor. And I was like, yes, let's fucking go. Because Thor is amazing. He's my one of my favorite MCU um, heroes. The movie is campy as fuck, but it's so fucking good. And honestly, Thor is just a reverse isekai. Yeah, that's like, the anime tie-in. Yeah, it worked so well. So we, we had a lot of fun re-watching the movie and then testing our our knowledge, our retention abilities <laughs> when we did trivia. And I think we did pretty good. Yeah, no spoiler alert on our results, but yeah, I think we we did good. We didn't get everything. I mean, we we definitely had some slip ups, and there were some really really tough questions. Honestly, a lot of them were really tough questions. Uh, but if you're interested to hear how we actually did and test your own knowledge about Thor, go listen to episode seventy eight of TV Trivia Pod because it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. But back to anime news, because I do have some anime news. We segued from anime to DC to Marvel. We're coming back, <laughs> back to, to anime. anime. <laughs> so yeah, what have you been watching? So I recently binged Dead Man Wonderland because it's an anime that I've heard so much about. And I was like, all right, I got to watch it. And it was it was good. It was fine. Um, I think just like a quick two-second review I feel like it started off really strong and then halfway through it tried to take on way too much and didn't have nearly enough time to build anything out. I think maybe the the show kind of left things open-ended like they, you know, potentially could do a season 2 if that ever, you know, is is in the works, but I feel like it would have been a much more like well-developed story if they had like 24 episodes. Like, I could see where they were going, but it felt kind of like, okay, and? Like, that's I was sitting there, like, as, like, the halfway mark hit and things started to shift, I was like, every time something happened, I was like, okay, and? Like, I wasn't invested in what was going on in the latter half because they just kind of threw it in there. Like, it just all happened so fucking fast. And I'm like, well, I can't feel invested if I'm not motivated because you haven't told me, like, you haven't given me enough time to understand the character's motivations and like the outcomes of problems happen so quickly i'm like was it even a problem to begin with so yeah like i i think it's um it's an anime that gets talked a lot about because of like the gore in it because there are some like really gory scenes um i did watch it censored because that's the only thing i had access to but even then it was pretty gory and i think yeah i think that's kind of why people talk about it i can't see any other reason that people would be talking about this anime even nowadays 
You've been watching a lot of gory stuff, haven't you? I yeah, I don't know. Like I, I was on <laughs> Our like friend a friend Aaron from Under the Buns probably enjoying. I know that. he's probably influencing me. That's probably why, because <laughs> he loves that stuff. Um, I I do enjoy really dark, gory, like psychological stuff just as much as I enjoy the rom com shit. And I was on like a rom com binge for quite some time, so I feel like maybe I've. Like that's run its course. I've kind of emptied my my tank with rom coms, and so now I'm like craving more of like the dark psychological stuff because I recently watched like Perfect Blue, the Batman, the, yeah, the Batman <laughs> I guess counts. Um, and I went from Dead Man Wonderland to starting Black Butler, <laughs> which is also in that kind of like dark, um, more like Bishonen type of anime. And again. I picked this one as my next one because I'm trying to just catch up on anime that have like a cult following or that I've heard a lot about, but I've never watched. And Black Butler, I mean, everyone's fucking heard of Black Butler, whether or not you've watched it. So I figured it's time for me to understand what the fuck the show is all about. I am only three episodes in, so I can't really comment on it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a 2008 anime and it feels like it. Like watching it, I just feel like I'm transported back to that era of anime so i don't know i'll check in i guess when i get further in black butler and see if it kind of lives up to all of the uh not the hype just like the i don't know the cult following yeah that it has. like it just it's it's just like a thing of its own like black butler when you hear that title you just like there's a feeling that comes along with it and now i'll kind of understand that see i have to make sure I differentiate between Black Butler and Bible Block. I know. I feel like <laughs> I've been getting those confused sometimes when talking to friends about like, or like making jokes about anime with our friends. I do that too. And I think it's because I have not seen Black Butler. I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen Bible Black either, but I, like everyone, I have been exposed to clips at some point. I have a general understanding of what that is all about. Um, but I feel like maybe when I've actually seen Black Butler, I won't be like making that mistake in my head every time I hear the title and think, oh, Bible Black? No, totally different. Totally different. Was that on Toonami, Black Butler, or is that like too, too I have violent? No idea. Or... <laughs> That's a good question because, again, like it just took the Western audience by storm. I just remember like never hearing the end of black butler when it fucking came out and even to this day i feel like i hear about it once in a while um but i don't know i don't know like how people were able to watch it maybe it was on like adult swim or something yeah I, i'm not sure i haven't watched black butler either um i was just trying to tie it in because uh if you didn't know uh toonami's actually celebrating its 25th anniversary this week oh uh, shit this thursday which would be tomorrow as of the time of the release of this episode. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty been, cool. They were tweeting about it, so. Is, um, does Steve Blum still do the voice of Tom? I think so. That's pretty cool. I don't know if he's really active in the dub community anymore. I mean, he's, he's like a fucking legend. But um, it was just cool to hear him do the voice of Tom, especially around the time of Cowboy Bebop. So I hope he's retained that role. And then in like other somewhat related news in the video game realm, um, I have started playing Triangle Strategy on Switch. And you know, I was fucking obsessed with Octopath Traveler. So when I saw Triangle Strategy um, announced on like some Nintendo Direct, I was like, all right, I gotta play that. It looks like it's in the similar vein. And it's been interesting so far. Um, but I have to say it's... It's not what I was expecting. I was thinking of like another Octopath Traveler and this is 
way more exposition heavy and I feel like I have played a significant amount of time or put a, a significant amount of time into this game and I've only had like five battles and I just want to fight and I just want to do the strategy pieces and I feel like there's so much talking and thank God for the rewind button or the rewind, the fast forward button because I want to listen to it again. again. No, the fast forward button because I have been holding down the R for fast forward. I feel like the majority of the time this game has been going on and I feel so bad because I do whenever I play these types of games, I play them with the Japanese voice acting um, and of course English subs and you've got like Kensho Ono for those who aren't familiar, he does the voice of Flock in Attack oh, on Titan. Oh, look at all these tie-ins. Yeah, or um, Giorno Giovanna mm-hmm. from JoJo Part 5. He's the voice of like the main character in Triangle Strategy. You also have, um, and I always forget his fucking name, Dio's voice actor. Dio from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, who is also Zeke from Attack on Titan. Um, he plays uh, like a supporting character, and it's so cool to hear his voice. It's Takehito Koyasu. Thank you. And then, um, yeah, there's, there's other big names. Like, there's a pretty big cast list on Triangle Strategy, and I really want to sit through the dialogue so I can just hear them talk. Because I love, I love supporting voice actors, um, the seiyus, because they're they're like amazing at what they do. But the problem is I cannot get invested in this lore. I just don't care. I don't know what it is. And I I very much play video games for the story aspect, but I cannot get into this lore. I am fast forwarding through everything. I just want to play, like, I want to do the battles. I want to, like, think about the strategic elements of this game and, like, build my roster and all this stuff. And I feel like I have to go through all this fast forwarding just to get to an opportunity to fight. So basically, it's nothing like Octopath Traveler. I kind of feel a little bit baited, but maybe that's my own misconception. But I'm still enjoying the actual gameplay elements of it. And it's by the same team that did Octopath, right? I think so. It looks identical to Octopath in Mm. terms of like the assets and stuff. Maybe they got a little too ambitious. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I can't get into the story. So I'm going to still finish it. I, I am enjoying the gameplay elements. I think that's super strong. I think it's set up really, really nicely. I'm... I'm loving that part of it, but I may have a much shorter game runtime than other people because I'm not paying attention to the story whatsoever. But um, have you been playing anything? Again, I asked as if I don't know, but I kind of don't know. Have you been playing anything? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was thinking since I am on my Batman high of picking up uh, the Batman Arkham games again, um, that would be Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and then Arkham Knight. Uh, I, I was watching YouTube videos of people playing through Arkham Knight, which is the one on PS4, uh, kind of giving me that nostalgic rush of playing that game. I think it came out 2015 or so, so it's been like seven, seven-ish years. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't have time to play video games at the moment. Um, so unfortunately... My my consoles are just sitting and collecting dust. <laughs> hey, you'll you'll have to um, do what I did because I, I feel like I hadn't been playing video games for a while. So I designated like one or two days a week to just play something, even if it's just like a half hour. I told myself at least every Sunday I'm going to play video games um, because, yes, anime does take a priority for us. Uh, and I think it's been working out pretty well because I've been making my way through triangle strategy. So you could try that. Possibly. Um, I feel like with video games, I can get um, sucked into a huge time 
suck I guess. <laughs> like the void you just you're you go into the game and you just don't yeah lose realize the passage of time yeah i lose track of time um so hopefully like i can be more diligent about that and like what you're doing just allocate some time into playing something because um, yeah I, I do miss playing video games but i know we have pretty busy schedules both um just at, at work and in our personal lives yeah that's fair because i you know me i like to binge shit especially video games as well. And I think the other day I told you I was going to play a little bit of triangle strategy and then I played it for like five hours. So, oops, I'm bad at that. Um, but I guess the last bit of uh, video game related updates, um, I bought the black PS5 console cover and it arrived today and I can't fucking wait to put it on my PS5 because I don't like the white. I'm just going to say it. I, I really enjoy that PlayStation consoles have always been black and I didn't like the white. And finally they came out with the black controller, which I got. And then they came out with the black, are they called console covers or plates? Cause I've heard I've either term. I've heard plates more. So I got, I got the, the black plates, plates and yeah, they arrived today. I can't wait to put them on the console. And then yours will be all white and mine will be all black and we'll be able to distinguish between the two. <laughs> They don't have like a, a blue plate, do they? They do. It's that neon blue. So oh. the same the same neon or like uh, intense colors that they have for the, the controller, they have the same, like matching plates for it. So that pink, that blue, is there a purple? I think there's a purple mm. and then the black and the white. So yeah, black's my favorite color. Had to go with the black. I'll, uh, I'll post a picture of it on the Discord when I put the plates on after we're done recording. And then you guys can see what it looks like. I'm so excited. It's going to be sexy. Yeah, I would have preferred a more neutral blue rather than like the, the dazzling blue that they, like you said, neon blue that they they, they chose to go with. Um, it's just hard. Okay, really quick. The whole concept, because everyone thought the PS5 was kind of ugly. I'm I'm one of those people. I don't like the design of the PS5, but they were like, well, it's the intent is for it to blend in with your living room, look like an art piece. And I'm like, okay, I guess I get that. But then who's going to want in their living room like a neon blue or neon purple or neon pink console like sitting there? Because that thing is massive. Bunch of fucking weebs, you know. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. They're really cool colors, but I wouldn't want that in the living room like on display. Um, I don't know. I mean, to each their own. I, I'm here for the black. I'm excited to put that on there. Like I said, I'll share a picture. It's going to be great. Finally, my console is black again. No, I, I prefer mine to look like Seto Kaiba's outfit for now. So <laughs> I'll just leave it I at that. I love that <laughs> meme. I love that meme. Well, perfect segue back into the anime realm. Um, I think you have some, like an update or news about Attack on Titan? Yeah, not much of uh, news. Uh, we've been mentioning in our past AOT episodes that um, after next week's episode episode 86 um there will be a one week delay um, until they air the final episode for part two of the final season um that is because of a it's called i think they called it a special organization <laughs> according <What? laughs> to you know like the like japanese translations i think what they meant is a special event and we weren't sure what special event they were referring to but I found this article um, from postapocalypticmedia.com saying that the special organization is actually Anime Japan, which is an anime convention in Japan that takes place the weekend of March 27th. Um, 
on our Strictly JoJo um, podcast, we mentioned that this is where they will be making a special. They will also be having a special event for JoJo's Part Six Stone Ocean. Oh, I didn't realize that was the same event. Yeah, oh, or so it's yeah, it's the same convention. We're gonna get some pretty fucking big news on both fronts then. Yeah, so Attack on Titan also will be having a special event at that convention, um, according to their official website. Um, and some of the special guests that will be there, um, they'll be like the, the voice actors for the show. Uh, Yuki Kaji, who plays Eren. Yui Ishikawa, who plays Mikasa. Marina Inoue, who plays Armin. Hiro Shimono, who plays Connie. Uh, Yoshimasa Hosoya, who plays Reiner. Ayane Sakura, Sakura uh, who plays Gabby. And then the MC is Chiaki Matsuzawa, who's actually the same MC that did the JoJo special events uh, from last year. Um, where's John? John? Yeah. Why is he not re- represented among the Seiyus? I, I, I feel like they no got everyone idea. else from the Scouts, but then they didn't have John. Maybe that VA is busy doing something else, I don't <laughs> know, promoting a different show. Um, so I think the presumption is that they will probably be airing that special event within AOT's regular time slot. I don't know. Or maybe they're just devoting all their resources to this event that they won't have enough resources to actually air uh, the final episode. Uh, But hopefully they'll have some news about where the series is going after part two. Because a lot of people are saying that this final part is not actually going to wrap up the entire series. Uh, I think there's probably about 10 chapters left to adapt according to manga readers. So we'll see if this event clears that up and, and provides more info on what they plan to do. As a complete like non-manga reader type person, like an, a true anime only person who touches manga like, like twice a year, I don't know what 10 chapters means. I don't know. Is that like a lot of content or is that a little content? I feel like it must be a lot of content because it seems like there's a decent amount of, like it just where we're at right now it feels like there's a lot of story left to be told but mm-hmm. i have no fucking idea it's like it's 10 chapters a lot i don't know <laughs> uh this same article mentions that um for this part two they've been illustrating approximately one and a quarter chapters per episode uh, so oh. i would say yeah there's still enough content if there's about 10 chapters left that's almost about nine ten episodes Shit, so like almost a uh, part three of the season. Mm-hmm. Which I think a lot of people are hoping for um, instead of a movie because at least uh, here in the West, we ha- typically have to wait like a couple months um, after Japan receives a movie. Um, like we'll get the movie three to six months later. Yeah, no, thank you. There's no way we can avoid spoilers at that point because it's it's somewhat easy like you can be strategic about avoiding manga spoilers because there's certain hashtags or whatnot that are used by the manga community that you can like know to avoid there's no way for like nine ten months we can avoid anime spoilers like there's just no way it's not possible and i'm gonna be really bummed if i get spoiled in just like a a minuscule way like that but um I don't know, like, if they have a, a part three of the final season, will they call it Attack on Titan, the final season, part three, the final part? <laughs> just, please, <laughs> like let it Gintama, be. Like Gintama, the final. Just confirm it's the end. I, the blue balls, is it's rough, man, okay? Like, I wouldn't know personally, but I just, if this is what it's like, that's rough. <laughs> yeah. So I just hope, again, at this AOT special event, they'll finally clear the air 
on how this series is going to end. I personally hope like it's just going to be a like an, maybe an hour, two hour special on TV. I know that um, Wonder Egg did something similar. Oh boy! And that didn't go so well. But this is Attack on Titan. I think you would handle such a big franchise uh, with some tender, loving care so it doesn't end up like a hot hot mess at the end. Yeah, I fully trust Mappa. Um, although, talking about this reminds me, the other night you were watching a, tic- a TikTok of some chick who like was freaking out because she apparently heard that the last episode of part two of the final season would be an hour long. And you and I were scouring the internet trying to find like where she might have heard that. And I'm pretty sure that was fucking like a rumor at best. Yeah, I don't, I was even looking through the comments of that TikTok and people were saying like, where are you getting this information? I know it's like we, like part of what we do here as quote unquote anime podcasters is we want to keep everyone up to date, but we, we only provide or try to provide information that comes from a decently reliable source. Um, or if we hear something and it, it's just a rumor at that moment, we make sure to clarify that it's a rumor because we don't want to get anyone's hopes up or, you know, spread like rumors and, and kind of perpetuate that. But when I saw this TikTok, cause you showed it to me, I was like, mm, I don't know, kind of jumping the gun. Like I, that'd be cool if it were an hour long, but I haven't seen anything else that indicates that it may be an hour long. Yeah. So again, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, so let's get into Traitor. Fucking Traitor. Let's talk about this episode because I think our predictions from the last episode where we talked about the preview for episode 85, I think we were pretty off. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we were right because just a quick reminder, I I was predicting that the, the title Traitor was referring to like the person, that mystery person in the window who was watching half the scouts escape with the supplies um and that possibly the traitor would be like one of the Jaegerists that spoke to Shadis, um where he told them that you know a time will come where you need to rise up like gamers rise up and you know stop the uh, stop flock and his crazy plan but none of that was correct and it was actually kind of like a a weird like 180 situation where like the scouts were essentially being called the traitors i did not see that one coming yeah very clever use of of the title here i still feel like the person in the window uh was that uh that cadet with the glasses that's probably how flock knew to go to the port um to to kind of stop that that the alliance that we see here between marley and parodies from trying anything to stop aaron's rumbling i feel like that cadet might still be at play because i didn't see him anywhere in this episode i was trying to find him in the 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 patrols that were going around the port just trying to find the the shaved head and glasses but i didn't so but if you if if it's him and he's the one that alerted flock then he essentially would not be taking into consideration shadis's advice because he he's kind be. of well i feel he, like he, he... shadis was telling him like you, you have to still keep up this facade but know when the right time is to strike and Maybe that's what we'll see in the next episode where this cadet 
finds the right time to strike against the Jaegerists. I guess, but wouldn't it be perpetuating or worsening the situation by having Flock go to where the scouts need to do like their next move? I feel like that's that's a really big wrench to throw in the plan for the people you're you're supposedly supposed to support at the end of the day. Yeah. But you're also they're also up against like four warrior titans too. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I'd be kind of sad if the Glasses cadet ultimately told Flock like, what was going on despite Shadis's kind of like teaching in that moment. Um, but who knows? This is Isayama. The writing is always filled with twists and turns. So hopefully we find out because my first question in my notes is like, who was watching in the window? We still don't know mm-hmm. who the fuck was watching. And no bit of writing, no bit of dialogue ever goes um, unnoticed or ever, you know, goes to to waste in the show, as we always say. So I feel like the fact that Annie in that that previous episode, a few episodes ago, um, her turning to the window and calling out that someone's watching them, that's going to come back at some point. It's got to. Yeah. But I think the takeaway from this episode, uh, as you mentioned, is that it's the the LD Avengers, as I like to call them, um, are the ones that end up actually being the traitors here. Or I guess you can interpret it that way. Um, we saw in the previous episode that they all put their differences aside and were able to team up to stop Aaron and the rumbling, which is great and all, like all hunky-dory, you'd think. But in this episode, you can see that the the parodies party, um, they've kind of reached the crossroads and really have to make some literal life or death decisions. And that's the point. Like They've realized now that they are no different from what Bear told or uh, Reiner or Annie, uh, what their reason for infiltrating Paradise was um, in the first place. Um, so this, this face-off in the port is really their, the biggest obstacle that they have to hurdle um, before they can get to Aaron. Yeah, it's kind of like the episode where, um, like, uh, fucking, I can't remember the title of it, but where Aaron in part one shows up in Marley and, like, destroys shit. You know, the big one where he, like, talks to Reiner and then shows up uh, and, like, destroys shit. Declaration of War. Yeah, and we say basically things have come full circle because it was, like, the Colossal Titan showing up to um, Paradise and rocking their shit. Here we have, like, other things coming full circle, um, which I know that you'll you'll mention as well, but just the like the parallels between like Connie and Armin being called traitors to like when they called other people traitors, um, or the concept again of you know Titans attacking your hometown and you feeling innocent basically comes full circle. It came full circle in part one, and it's coming full circle again because Aaron's heading right back that direction. I don't know. It just. Yeah, it's just weird how things flip from from one side to another, and it's that constant gray area that we live in as viewers of Attack on Titan, where you don't really know who you should be rooting for at the end of the day. Like it, it, it pushes you to to really think about who you're siding with. Man, so many segues, tie-ins, and full circles in this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's a great segue tie-in oh. and and full circle approach into the synopsis and discussion for Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 85, Traitor. The LD Avengers assemble outside of Paradise's port and engage in a final round of Attack on Titan. 
The group tries to figure out how to save Kiyomi Homi and her Hizuru Grease Monkeys in order to pilot their boat with wings to observe Operation Dualshock rumbling without the Jaeger bombs making a morbid example out of both. Amidst the parody's posse's pleas to conduct the mission while minimizing the loss of life, Annie pushes her Armin Amore to think of something before the Marley mob takes matters into their own hands. Commander Maggot reaches a cathartic moment after torturing the shit out of Yelena, admitting his misjudgments about the Eldian race and offering to keep the Paradise Posse out of the fight, though Armin rejects the offer and comes up with a ruse to bamboozle the Jaeger bums. He and Connie Boy ride into town Paul Revere style, announcing to Waka Flock Boy the Fuck Boy and his cronies that they need to get airborne in order to stop Marley's remaining forces from interrupting Air and Jaeger Monster's rumbling road trip. The pair make it to the docked boat with wings and are able to convince two of their former friends turned Jaeger bums to disarm the explosives attached to it, but Waka Flock Boy sees through the anime scheme and prepares a hit on the Hizurus until the LD Avengers step in with Plan B, the Jaeger Bum Rush. As the rescue team leads the Hizuru hostages to safety, Annie and Deathwish Reiner provide titan-sized support against a severely outclassed band of Jaeger bums. Back at the docks, Armin is shot gangland-style by one of the guards, Samuel, but Connie Boy forces his hesitant hand in disarming and shooting both his former friends point-blank before crying in agony to the tune of Linkin Park's What I've Done. One thing I wanted to ask, did you think there seemed to be a bit of a dip in the animation quality of this episode? Yeah, in certain shots there were. Like, I distinctly remember the shot where Mikasa is running down the stairs, the bomb goes off and she kind of launches forward um, and is able to kind of catch herself before she hits the landing on the staircase. But then she's like crouched looking to the side and she looks rough. <laughs> she looks rough. Um, but then also certain shots in the first half when they're talking in like the, I don't know where they are, up in the, the hill, but mm-hmm. kind of overlooking where the Yagerists are. There were some shots that looked a little bit, not rough, but almost like somebody else was animating them. Like they were yeah. trying and very closely getting to kind of like the typical Mappa Attack on Titan style, but like it was slightly different. Like there was certain shots looked a little bit different than normal. Yeah, something about the close-up shots in the first half of the episode, it just didn't seem like there's something off about how the characters look like. They they looked like themselves. Armin, of course, looked like the pretty boy most of the time, as he usually is, but just something didn't seem right about certain characters. Um, I think they probably did that to favor more of when the action picks up in the second half. Uh, with the arrival of Annie and Reiner's Titan forms, because um, it seemed like yeah, a lot of the budget went into <laughs> that. Uh, but just something I was curious to know if you had the same thoughts. Wait, okay. Now, I don't know why this makes me think of this, but did John appear at any point when the battle started? Where was he? Because you had uh... Connie and Armin on the dock. Mikasa came in through the window um uh, reiner and annie changed into titans we saw levi peak magath or no not magath um levi peak flock and gabby and 
the Onyankopone and Yelena <laughs> up on the hill. And Levi. Did you mention And Levi, Levi? yeah. <laughs> or was he with Hanj and um, He was with Hanj and Magus Magus when they took them down to the basement, right? Yeah. He was in the background. Okay, yeah. Now I remember. He only shut up for like one second when the fighting started. That's why I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. Where's my boy? <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> anyway, okay. Then uh, another thing. You showed me a screenshot uh, that someone took of Flock's face in one of the the frames and it looked cursed yeah it was a tiktok um someone happened to freeze it uh, because there was a shot where his head is kind of turning i think he was talking to uh lady kiyomi and it yeah it (laughs) it looked like a creepy creepy version of flock Um, (laughs) i'm gonna have to find it or maybe take a screenshot of it from the episode we should probably, well, we, if we can find the actual TikTok, we'll link it in the Discord, um, but it's probably better to get a screenshot of it because that fucking, that fucking, like, meme that they use where they just, like, pause it and then have that nasty, like, shriek scream, like, they're yeah. really being try hard. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I don't, I don't need to hear that. Just show me the, the screenshot of Flock. But anyway, we'll, we'll post it in the Discord because it was pretty cursed. So the episode starts off with Hanj and Magus chatting on the hills they're kind of observing the Jaegerists and Hanj notices all the steam coming out and then later in the episode she confirms uh, my previous question about how the wall titans are crossing the sea and it just seems like they're walking along the bottom of the sea or something (laughs) I don't know like I kind of want to see them swimming underwater but they're probably just walking along the seafloor yeah I don't think there's anything uh beautiful about watching them <laughs> walk along the seafloor but it's it's cool that like i didn't know why she was looking at the sky i was like they're just fucking clouds i thought yeah like, i didn't either i thought she saw like aaron like bonding flying because <laughs> I, I keep having this theory that we're gonna see a, a, a flying titan at some point <laughs> a flying aaron uh, jaeger <laughs> but no it, it was the steam that was kind of mixing in with the clouds because it's the steam coming from the wall titan since they're all they seem similar in appearance and stature to the Colossal Titan, which was, like also gives off steam. Who we all know roasts the fuck out of Armin back in season three, part two. Yeah. <laughs> that, that bad boy is hot. <laughs> and I actually have a, a story about that um, when we get to Armin's part. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know if like they could have parted the seas like Moses so we could watch these <laughs> titans just rumble onward. That's how <laughs> holy Aaron Yeager is at this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, then um, we get to more talking. Shout out to you, Aaron. More talking in Attack on Titan. Um, and it's the scouts. Aaron from Under the Bun? Yeah, Aaron from oh, Under the I Bun. I thought you meant like Aaron. Oh, no, not Aaron Yeager. <laughs> Shout out to you, Aaron, our friend Aaron from Under the Bun. Um, he, he always comments about how there's so much talking in the final season of Attack on Titan. There's more talking in this episode. Um, but they're talking about, I guess, they're trying to find a way to have the scouts not intervene with the Yeagerists so they don't have to kill their friends. And a couple of takeaways with this conversation. First off, Annie immediately calls out Armin, like just puts his ass on blast saying, let's hear your plan. Let's hear your plan, Armin. What kind of uh, scheme do you have up your sleeve? Use that strategic mind of yours to come up with a plan. And I'm like, damn, Annie, okay, like he's struggling right now. He feels like all of this this weight is on his shoulders and she's just putting his ass on blast. And he's like, but I love you. Why are you doing this to me? Because <laughs> she gets turned on. When Armin has a plan, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I guess so. <laughs> um, and then Connie chimes in about wanting to save people. And this 
is heartbreaking knowing what happens at the very end of the episode because he's talking about wanting to save their friends and then he's the one that has to kill his own friends at the end of the episode yeah i didn't realize until we watched it the second time around because you see connie hesitate in like providing a reason why they don't want to participate or like they don't want to kill anyone until mikasa says something about um saving the uh lady kiyomi and the hizuru he almost looks relieved because like yeah. mikasa was able to come up with a reason which, which is a legitimate reason but able to come up with a reason before he has to outright say i don't want to kill my friends because i think he he was expecting annie to probably not accept that that reason um because when mikasa said we have to protect the osmo Bito, he was like yeah yeah that like exactly what she said like he kind of was like mm-hmm. happy and surprised at her response but then ultimately like it does come out that that's really what what his focus is here that he doesn't want to kill his friends and yet look how that turned out yeah i initially thought he was gonna betray everybody just because he was trying to find like a, oh the traitor moment yeah <laughs> thankfully it wasn't but it, like you said it's still a, a very heartbreaking thing for connie to deal with yeah, Connie's been definitely the uh, the forte of the last few episodes in like both a good and a bad way. And I would say this episode, it's it's in the bad way. Um, but then Annie, Annie's cold right in the beginning of this conversation, but surprisingly ends up admitting that it's wrong to ask the scouts to kill their own friends and it's r- unfair to have them be the ones to make this decision. And again, it's an interesting moment of character development because she's this cold, heartless bitch that we've always known. And here she's she's kind of showing a, a reasonable soft side. But again, as I mentioned before in previous episodes, it feels kind of out of nowhere because we've been without. She's been absent from the story for, you know, four years, according to the lore. And now she's back, but has changed just because Armin and Hitch have talked to her over the last four years like something about that like i'm still kind of being pulled along with annie but i'm not like against her having these moments of character development yeah i think at this point we just have to accept i i still rationalize that um she came to this realization after getting pummeled by aaron back in season one that again coupled coupled with overhearing um armin and hitch whenever they or when hitch was keeping watch over her or when armin was going on his hot dates with her Uh, (laughs) but yeah it's it's just like i didn't realize at this point that like annie like she mentions that if this squad uh from parodies were the ones to have broken the wall that like they did so many years ago um they would struggle to do it just because of how conflicted they are now and i realized like this is probably the first time that uh, Armin, Mikasa, and Jean, and Connie, uh, outside of the whole Historia arc back in season three, have to reckon with the fact that they are about to become traitors to parodies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that because I didn't like the Historia arc. I was not a fan of season three, part one. I think to me, that was like the weakest part or season of Attack on Titan. But then season three, part two made up for all of that. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I think this is a really, really important moment. And they kind of dropped it on us very subtly because, again, Annie does say, unlike us, you probably wouldn't have destroyed the wall that day. And that's what triggers Reiner's memory about Aaron saying that he's like Reiner or I'm the same as you. 
And I think, and I could be wrong, my interpretation is that it's Aaron saying that my friends are not the type to do what needs to be done or wouldn't go so far as to break mm. down a wall to destroy innocent lives, but I would because I'm the same as you, Reiner. You did that on that day, which I think is like the title of that episode or on that day or whatever. Um, I, I would do that like you did back in the day. I can do those things. <laughs> that's that dark night reference <laughs> see i think that's that's aaron saying i'm the only one who can do it because i'm like you you were forced to do it you did it i'm forced to do it and i i will do it but okay. i don't know was that your interpretation of, of that moment because it's very subtle it's just reiner remembering that aaron said that to him back in marley and then he says oh that's what he fucking meant but i'm kind of like well what, what did he mean i don't know yeah i didn't know what to make of it at first the way i had interpreted it was kind of like Aaron's encompassing everyone on parodies by saying um, I'm the same as you um, in that like Aaron's friends are also willing to to do what it takes uh, to to stop whatever forces um, trying to hinder them but I forgot about the context of what Annie had said right before Reiner triggered the flashback um, saying that none of you would have wanted to tear down the wall um, like we did. Yeah. And I think that only just furthers my theory about Aaron being the scapegoat in all of this because he's the one that's willing to make these choices, much like Reiner had to, Reiner and Annie and Bertolt had to make that choice in um, bringing down the wall back in season one. Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, whether or not we get clarity on that, I think um, there's there's something Aaron's trying to convey to Reiner. Like, don't fuck with me, basically, I think is <laughs> is the, the end story here. But then Maggoth uh, goes AWOL, not goes AWOL, goes uh, ape shit and decides to break Yelena's arm while choking her out or some shit. <laughs> I thought it was weird. And maybe it was like a rhetorical demand of her uh, in that he asks her tell us where arian jaeger is headed but he's covering yelena's mouth. i know i was like <laughs> bro she can't speak she can't even breathe yeah i yeah i found that funny <laughs> i don't know if it was just him wanting to take his anger out on something and that he i, mean, I think they, they do want to see where Aaron is headed because i think hans prefaces this by saying that they're probably headed towards marley and have destroyed cities in the north probably have destroyed cities in the northeast by now and so he was just angry that his homeland was being invaded uh but again he as i said in the synopsis after this he kind of reaches a cathartic moment after yelena doesn't give up any information although it still implies that she does have some information yeah i i wasn't mad at magath for hurting her because she's pretty much gotten away unharmed this all this whole time mm. people that followed her have been dying left and right by Flock's hand because someone needs to get that goddamn gun away from him. Like, please <laughs> take that gun away from him. Um, but she's just been like mentally, you know, suffering, but nothing physical. So it was, I mean, it sounds kind of morbid, but like she kind of got her just desserts in that moment, just feeling a little bit of physical pain compared to everyone else who's been suffering far worse than her because of her actions um so yeah I, I wasn't entirely put off by that i was just kind of like well she can't talk because you have your hand over her mouth yeah although i don't i think she just doesn't care what happens to her at this point because all her <laughs> all her dreams about zeke being the savior of the world have been crushed her dreams will just be memes 
And then Gabby comes down the the pit for some reason. I think she was probably wondering what the fuck was going on. And that's when Maggot looks up and sees her and immediately has this look of shame on his face. And he's got this constant instinct to protect Gabby. And I think part of that is just because he's now, well, even before now, now he's seeing her innocence, right? Like her and Falco's innocence as children just wanting to, you know, find peace in the world despite Gabby being the complete opposite for most of her appearance in the show. Um, but I think also because Magath has spent so much time around Gabby, he's really impacted by what she does. But this ultimately causes him to apologize to the scouts. And I find this interesting because it took him less time to come to this realization, you know, thinking about the amount of time he's actually spent with the scouts, than Gabby took to come to this realization as well. Like, significantly less time. Like, I just find it funny how Falco figured it out long ago, but Gabby took forever to figure all this out. And then Magath shows up and he's around for like, what, two days max with the the scouts? And he's already figured it out. (laughs) Like, Gabby, come on. It took you forever. And that's why we hate you sometimes. I think the seeds were kind of planted, yeah, the day before as he was listening to Gabby pleading for Jean to help out in the mission. Um and I, yeah, I guess I'm just surprised that Magath is like the second uh, significant Marlian character on the show to have a change of heart outside of Niccolo. Because uh, I'm thinking back to also to when um, Magath reunites with Gabby uh, back at the beginning of this part two of the final season, and he embraces her. Uh, so I think Gab- like him having that relationship with Gabby and seeing how she's changed um really kind of opened his eyes although like like you said it, it's it seems so much more sudden than those other characters who have also like opened their eyes to the reality of the world yeah it, he also does drop an interesting line um this is not like a, a verbatim quote but basically saying that none of us were there when all these sins were committed or when you know the world was going to shit but it's our burden and responsibility to remember this bloodstained history like basically saying none of us were there um, and yet we have been continuing to to perpetuate this horrible cycle. Basically, like, this is our, our opportunity to to break that cycle. Like, we, we realize how bad this is and we need to stop it now. So it's it's refreshing, I guess, for that to come from his character versus someone who's been saying the same type of thing for quite some time. Especially because he is, like, a really high-ranking officer, if you think about it, in the Marleyan military. Um, for so for him to kind of say this thing of those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it, like he knows that they are at a turning point in history where they can break this cycle so that future generations do not do not have to look so much at this bloodshed and this violence that Gabby and Falco, again, them being children, have been exposed to. That's a really good point. I think that's why he looks so shameful after taking his anger out on Yelena and then seeing Gabby and Gabby witnessing his behavior because he's the one who's been pushing that with Gabby and Falco and the other Marleyan, what the fuck are they called? Warrior candidates? Yeah. And so he's part, He I think he realizes he's part of the problem and it's his opportunity to not redeem himself, but turn the tides in the right direction um but then armin does actually come up with a plan you know i I know that earlier annie was kind of roasting him he does ultimately come up with a plan or has something in the works because he rejects maggot's proposal about you know kind of just turning a blind eye while they handle killing the agorist he's like we 
we don't want that just on your hands. Like basically saying that both Marley and the scouts are in this together and they, they need to share this responsibility, share this burden. And I was like, okay, like Armin's still got that leader potential. He's doubting himself, but he's never really lost the potential that Erwin and Hanj and everyone has seen in him. So yeah, I think he was also taking what Magath was saying to heart, like again, this is being this is a turning point in history and like we have to act now. And so Armin is sort of willingly choosing to get his hands a bit dirty um, in order to attain the peace that they're seeking. Um, I don't think it's like to the same extent that Aaron has been getting his hands dirty. I think that's obviously like 10 times worse. Um, But like it's coupled with Armin trying to seek out the, the peaceful uh, kind of more diplomatic, I guess, solution to how to get to the, to the flying boat without causing harm to, their former friends in the Jaegerist. Um, and I, I just thought it was interesting for Armin to kind of want to get his hands dirty. Uh, I don't know if, it, if we're seeing a little bit of like Bertolt in Armin's choices now. And I think that's going to come full circle at the end of this very episode. Yeah. Oh boy, does it. Well, Hanj, I'm kind of skipping around here a little bit, but Hanj earlier in the episode um, is talking about flock and that the Jaegerists wouldn't necessarily destroy the plane or whatever the fuck they call it, the airboat, because they need to fly over to the mainland to confirm that the rumbling worked and whatnot. And I think she kind of gives flock maybe a little too much credit because then in this next scene, we see that he's already got bombs strapped to the plane and he's telling the Azumabito lady that they don't need <laughs> they don't need their technology if they decide to travel by land and see like if they decided that that's sufficient and i don't know if he's bluffing or if he really thinks that and if he really thinks that then yeah hanj gives him a little a little too much credit in this moment but uh who knows with flock he's just kind of he'll, he'll say whatever he needs to 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 get his way i think yeah do you think any of the jaegerists are are smart enough to carry on like after the world has been destroyed like <laughs> to just carry on technology and all of that yeah it's like precious precious technology why would you it's like precious precious blood <laughs> in an animal to quote spongebob yeah like why would you destroy that just to prove a point because the jaegerists are just a bunch of like followers who are just brainwashed i don't yeah. think they're anyone of like uh, intelligent capability <laughs> just look at their leader yep <laughs> king flock <laughs> so then armin shows up and shouts about the cart titan running away and and flock is understandably suspicious but he never mentions that they were seen taking the supplies away and this is a question i have throughout like the rest of the episode because you have the two guys on the dock saying that they heard the scouts teamed up with Marley. And again, I'm like, who? Who told them that? Who was watching in the window? But how come Flock never mentions it? Did he not hear about the, like, Armin and Annie and all of them taking those supplies the other night? I don't know. But, like, I think that's why they're at the port, to, to potentially stop whatever they were going to do that's what i was thinking too but then it even comes up again later when we flash or when we uh, switch back to flock and he says something like again he's, he's understandably suspicious about armin and connie and says if they were coming this direction 
taking a train would have been you know much faster than horses why were they on horseback he's like you know trouble needs to be dipped in the butt or whatever the saying was that he said and i just think like wouldn't that have been a moment for him to say this must be why they were seen taking supplies like i i just feel like he's missing a piece of information that everyone else has or at least some of the Jaegerists have but for some reason he doesn't have it how did it not make its way to flock and I know it's an answer. It's a question we can't answer at this point, but that's what was kind of floating around in my head. Because we're talking about flock here. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe somebody who knows <laughs> was trying to tell other Jaegerists in a way to to convince them to go against flock, and so flock hasn't heard about it yet. I I don't know. I hope we get clarity soon on this this like secret person in the window. Because I am every episode that goes by, I get more and more curious who that actually was. But one thing um, I do want to call out about the exchange between Armin and Connie and the two guys on the dock is that like in part one, Armin is once again a really bad actor. And damn, those faces, you know, that he and Connie have, those are fucking dead giveaways. I mean, even one of the dudes was like, what's wrong? Why do you look like that? <laughs> like, you got to keep it together if you want the plan to go the way you need it to. Yeah, I don't know if you could have relied on anyone else. I get Oh, I was going to say John, but Flock thinks, or like Armin tells Flock that John is dead. Yeah, I think he said like the cart killed all of them when it like took them. Mm -hmm. So you have to rely on Paradise's worst actors in this situation. Yeah, Connie's <laughs> stupid, man. Like I love him, but he's dumb. <laughs> yeah, you get the shot of them like their eyes just slowly looking over <laughs> at the the detonator box or whatever. So funny. Um, so then shit goes down and Mikasa comes to the rescue. And I love that it's her that, that rescues the Azumabito. Cause it's just nice to know that she's the one to protect her distant relatives. I just hope that Kiyomi doesn't take that the wrong way. Cause she was so like insistent on bringing Mikasa back to their homeland. Cause they claim that she is, if I remember correctly, like Mikasa is of like the, the royal blood. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that might come into conflict, uh, knowing that Mikasa went back to save the Hizuru. I don't know. Yeah, but now they owe a debt to her because she saved their lives. True. So she could just pull that card and be like, "No, I'm not going back with you. I it's need like, to hang I am out with an Eldian first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then that's when really the action returns after several episodes of kind of more um, subdued moments and just shit hits the fan you got magath wearing a fucking like scout jacket how ironic is that yeah and he like blows some people's brains out um there's bombs going off and like the thunder spears they're they're hunkering down in the basement uh you've got the fucking female the return of the female titan and the armor titan i never thought i would be so hyped for like traitors to come back because <laughs> they were traitors back in season three like that we, we were so hurt by them and i thought i could never love reiner again and then as the final season has gone on i've grown to appreciate him more and more and i was actually hyped for him to to do his thing in this episode yeah it's the first time that we are seeing both of these titans on the quote-unquote right side of the conflict and the titans like their female and armor titan forms are just still as brutal as ever and i just loved seeing the shot of both of them again hearkening back to the old days of attack on titan season one they both got their odm gear on you see armin biting down on his hand um armin wait armin <laughs> I meant reiner. Reiner. <laughs> reiner biting down on his hand and then annie kind of going 
Straight Wait, did I say Armin earlier? Now I'm thinking I said Armin earlier. If oh, I did, I meant oh. Reiner. Well, everyone knows who we're <laughs> yeah, talking Reiner. about. Yeah, Reiner. We meant Reiner. <laughs> uh, but yeah, seeing Annie like just gracefully go through that scaffolding, and then you see them both line up right at the docks, and then you see Flock right in front of them right before they transform. I was like, why the fuck does this guy never die? How does he always avoid <laughs> any fatal blows he's like the cockroach i don't know <laughs> and i i did so yeah I, to your point earlier this is the first time we're seeing the female titan in fucking eight years four years in the story and she's just as brutal as ever because she immediately grabs a jaegerus and crushes her crushes him in her mm -hmm. hand just the same way she was brutal when she was killing all those scouts back in season one and then the, that like hitmonlee kick that sends the uh, like three of the jaegerists into the water oh yeah like, that's whoa. right i was like a like, savage she still got it that's for sure um and Did i you notice like she was also covering her nape yeah because she didn't want them to slice her open she yeah. learned that yeah. she learned that shit in <laughs> season one she's not gonna make that mistake again mm -hmm. <laughs> um i also just love how we're this whole episode we're seeing jaegerus fly around on odm gear right but the only ones who actually look majestic and kind of elegant are fucking reiner and annie and, like, I guess, you know, Mika saw when she flies in the window, but that's for two hot seconds. And I do love the distinction when it comes to ODM gear between Jaegerus and then the scouts. Like, if I'm sure watching Levi fly around on ODM gear, which I hope we'll get at some point, I, I imagine we will. Like, he's back. I, I feel like he's. He's just resting. Yeah, he's resting. Like, I imagine that he will look so much better than any of the Jaegerus. And I like that. I'm sure that's intentional because. You can't have the Jaegerus look as majestic as the heroes of the story because then it won't have the same impact. And I'm trying to remember, I'm looking back at the scene. Um, yeah, uh, Reiner and Annie are actually wearing the old ODM gear. Mm hmm. Yeah. So it's just, it's cool that, you know, like, even though they might not have the best technology compared to the Jaegers, they and you know of course they they're they're titans, so they have the upper hand. Yeah. <laughs> so. So then let's take things to the dock. I know there were like a lot of switches between what was going on with the Jaegers and then what was happening at the dock. Let's talk about the dock. Let's talk about all of it because Armin got fucking shot and his teeth were fucked up, and I thought he was gonna fucking die and. Our friend, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, Brian from TV Trivia Pod, who has been on Strictly Animated Talk About Attack on Titan. Um, he lo we love to chat about Attack on Titan every single week, and he had messaged us, and he said, I checked yesterday and found nothing online. I need to know what's going to happen. Craziest part of that episode, I thought that was it, that Armin would have to turn to heal and kill Connie, but forgot he has healing powers. Just wow. And I was like, I thought the exact same thing. I even said that to you when we were watching the episode. I'm like, this is it. Armin has to transform or he's going to die. So it's either mm -hmm. Armin transforms and kills Connie in the process or saves Connie and just bleeds to death. But then I stopped and I realized, wait, he's a titan. He can just heal himself. <laughs> I got all worked up for nothing. I was yeah. so scared yeah. for a second. Not only that, like if he were to transform there, he would also have destroyed the, the flying boat. Which That's would have true. Ruined, like, the uh, like ruined the entire plan. That's totally true. So Brian, I was right there with you. I was panicking at first, but then the realization set in that we're okay here. It's fine. He's, yeah. he's a titan. <laughs> we audibly gasped, I remember, as we saw like Armin get shot. It was three times and I noticed... Um, he did get shot in the heart, 
or like close to the heart. So I don't know if that was the intention when was I forget if it was Sam, oh yeah Samuel um, who shot him. Um, it's kind of funny because uh, I was scrolling through Twitter um, after this episode and it, the, the tweets I looked at kind of lined up perfectly. The first tweet um, was, was from Attack on Titan Perfect Shots and it's captioned RIP Armin and it's a shot of Armin as he's getting shot by those bullets and then right below it is a tweet from Attack on Titan screen caps and it's the roasted Armin screenshot. <laughs> so I'll I'll share this in the Discord. Like this was this is this was not photoshopped, guys. Like this is how I saw these <laughs> tweets together. The stars aligned. They yeah. really wanted to remind you that Armin keeps getting fucked up in the show. <laughs> but yeah, thankfully our pretty boy is fine. And I I, I remember that too. It's like he's he's a titan. He can probably just heal himself. And you, you see the steam coming from his wounds um, as he tries to as he like uh, apprehends Daz, the other guard um, on the dock. Yeah, I mean, Armin got so fucking lucky that the one dude didn't shoot him in the head. Like, I mean, he did shoot him in the head. I just mean, like, not in the brain. He he was so fucking lucky, dude. Plot armor. Yeah, he's got, that, he's got that plot <laughs> armor, of course. There there are bigger plans here for, for Armin that I'm sure Isayama has, so it's all good. We, we still had our nice moment of panic. Um, but I think during the scuffle between... Um, was it Samuel? Was that the one that was going on head to head with Connie? Yeah. Um, during that scuffle, he, you know, they have that horrific exchange and horrific, I mean, like in an emotional way, um, about them being friends and then being traitors and all that stuff. And Samuel says, dude, I thought that we were all going to eat meat together. And I just think like back to Sasha, like when I first watched it, I was like, why is he saying about eating meat specifically? And then I was like, oh shit, was he around when, when they were friends with Sasha? And you then later on showed me something that I think is a really interesting bit of information about who Samuel really is and, and why he's significant in this moment. Yeah. So the characters who are on the dock, uh, the friends turned Yeagris, uh, again, their names are Daz and Samuel, both have kind of been just background characters in the show. But Samuel, I think, has a more significant role in the events that play out during this episode's climax. Because if you go back to season one, episode four, which was titled The Night of the Closing Ceremony, Humanity's Comeback, part two, this was a, the pivotal episode where I think Aaron and the cadets have completed their training and then the Colossal Titan suddenly reappears at the wall um, in, I think they were in Trost, the Trost District. And it's, as as the as Berthold transforms into the Colossal Titan, it knocks a lot of scouts and a lot of cadets off the wall, one of those being uh, Samuel. But the irony is that it is Sasha who saves Samuel after uh, Berthold's Colossal Titan's uh, Colossal Titan reappears. Uh, so it's kind of like when you see Connie having that heart-wrenching conversation with Samuel, like I, I didn't know this at first, but like I had to, I got a reminder of it um, on Twitter. Uh, it just kind of turns the knife in the wound as you see Connie struggle with having to kill someone that he's known for so long. And granted, like 
I forgot, you probably forgot, we all forgot that Samuel was a significant background character in the show. So it didn't feel as impactful, but like I think just the emotion of the scene carried like the burden that Connie has to, like the burden that Connie feels in this moment. I think it hit home when you shared that clip with me because uh, as we always fucking say, Isayama's writing is tight as fuck and this is another great example of that because here you have again samuel who seems like a seemingly nobody uh, when we first are introduced to him come back in an extremely important point of the story for uh, especially for connie and it's already yeah you're right it's already hard enough to watch that exchange and see all of that shit unfold on the dock and then it just is amplified a hundred times when you watch that clip of Sasha saving Samuel and then hearing him say, I thought we were all going to eat meat together because that is how much he remembers their friendship. Like he even remembers Sasha loving meat and then them just, you know, I guess talking about that shit. It's so fucking sad. Like it just, it really is. And I just, I appreciate the writing so much in the show. No, no little character is just thrown away. Like everyone comes back in some way, shape or form. And I think another thing, um, you have to realize is here again it's it's Connie and Armin they are kind of in the same boat as uh, Reiner and Bertolt were um, and that the, the Scots thought they were the traitors and now it's the Jaegers that are thinking uh, Armin and Connie are the traitors uh, you have two different responses um, in these in this kind of moment uh, going back to season three, episode 15 or episode 52 overall, uh, Descent, uh, Bertolt actually has like a conversation with Armin. And I think this is when they were taking back uh, Shiganshina. Um, Armin tries to persuade Bertolt to, to stop with what they're doing and stop their elimination of the scouts by uh, playing up how much they used to be friends. Bertolt responds saying, you are precious comrades to me but I also intend to kill you. Connie's in Bertolt's same position where it's Samuel saying, I thought you were our friends. And Connie says, you are our friends, but he never says like he intends to kill them. And I think that's going back to what Annie said earlier in the episode about these scouts not not having what it takes to to deal the killing blow against people that they they... They still can like they consider friends just because of the emotional weight of it. Even though like Connie, like he has to reconcile with it by the end of this episode, and so he does it, but it's at a great emotional cost to him. So I just kind of like that, um, par- not parallel, but that juxtaposition between how Bertolt handled the situation and how Connie handles the situation. Yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with this. I, I think these are fantastic moments again of things coming full circle so to your to your points you have annie who was there during well not there but you know kind of thinking back to what they were forced to do when they infiltrated paradise and um here she's about to see that the scouts are going to be asked to do the same thing to betray to hurt and she's like you don't need to do that because she knows exactly what it feels like to be in that position and that's why she says it's unfair of us to leave that decision on you guys it's unfair of us to ask you to do that to kill your friends and then you have again the um the pieces coming full circle with the whole traitor concept and that's why in this moment as um Connie and Armin are wrestling Daz and Samuel 
Armin remembers the flashback of Bertolt saying someone has to do it. Someone has to be the one to stain their hands with blood. It goes right back to, was that season three, right? That particular quote is actually from season, I feel like a, like a book nerd. Like, yeah. That is from season two. Uh, but this is from season two, episode 11, or episode 36, overall charge. Um, Bertolt says that someone has to be the one to stain their hands with blood. That's the flashback we see in this episode that Armin has, right? Um, it's when Reiner is esca- trying to escape the scouts with Bertolt and Aaron um, within his, I think, within his chest or like he's holding yeah they're them. kidnapping Aaron yeah he, so he's holding them against his chest uh, and it's the scouts trying to egg on Bertolt to release Aaron um, and then Bertolt just has this breakdown and and just feels the weight of this mission on his shoulders like it he doesn't want to carry on this mission but again someone has to be the one to do it yeah, so it, it comes full circle, and we'll we'll drop a clip um, or a link to that specific scene because it's really we we highly encourage you to rewatch that scene and then think about it next to what has happened in episode eighty five because again things come full circle. Back then we had Bertolt being the one to say again someone has to do it. I don't want to be doing this, but I'm forced to. Someone has to take the responsibility, or someone someone is burdened with this. And now Armin is literally in the same position that Bertolt was at the time. Like, someone mm-hmm. has to do this. Otherwise, we can't save the world. That's another crazy full circle moment. But then you also have Connie and the concept of being a traitor. Because in that same scene, Connie is talking to Bertolt about how hurt he was. Bringing up all these memories that they had together. Um, basically speaking to Bertolt the exact same way that Samuel is speaking to him as he's right. confronting Connie. And Connie's on the complete opposite side. It's like, I, we, we call it coming full circle, but it's almost like the script is being flipped for all of these characters, for mm-hmm. Annie, for Armin, for Connie. It's so crazy to watch this scene from season two and then think about, again, like what is going on in this doc because the parallels are crazy. So yeah, we'll, we'll drop a link in the Discord. It's worth rewatching um, after coming out of episode 85. And again, just another moment that where the writing just continues to impress in the show. I think at this point, Attack on Titan has shown us that you know the uh, good and bad isn't always like black and white. Like these characters have just and these storylines have just become so complex that they're starting to mirror things, and you kind of start to understand all of these different perspectives and these motivations of these characters now that we're seeing the quote-unquote good characters going through those same situations. But I think what we ultimately have to think about is, like, in the end, will it all be worth it with whatever the ultimate goal is? And I think the the positive thing would be for Eldians to experience true freedom while not at the cost of, like, human lives or the, the destruction of humanity. Another thing, too, when I think a little bit deeper about why Bertolt's memory or the, the memory of Bertolt came up for Armin in this exact moment, I think it's kind of twofold. Again, I think it's calling back to um, to someone needing to do the dirty work, but then also the fact that in this moment, Armin is trying to push forward a plan that avoids killing anybody, right? Like that that's the, mm-hmm. the scout's goal is we are going to try to do this without any bloodshed. But then the specific line, I mean, think about it. There could have been any any flashback about Bertolt, but it was a specific line about someone has to get their hands dirty. Someone has to stain their hands with blood. Basically insinuating, Armin, 
you, you gave it a good shot, but at the end of the day, someone's going to have to die. Right. If there's any way to move. plan failed. Yeah. No. If there's any way to move this forward, someone has to do the dirty work. And it just so happened to be Connie in that moment. But to be fair, I don't blame Armin for trying this route. I think it mm. was a decently solid plan that just didn't pan out because I think someone was leaking information about, um, you know, them teaming up with Marley and that kind of caused the guys at the dock to be a little more suspicious than they would have been. But I do not blame Armin for trying. I think it's a very honorable thing for him to have even come up with this plan and at least attempted to save lives, um, even though it failed at the end. So I, I still give Armin mad props in this moment. Yeah, you would think like everyone was on the right path with the previous episode, uh, what is it, Night of the End, because they were communing together and discussing things diplomatically, and that's how they all agreed to come together on this mission to stop the rumbling uh, and so I think that's the same kind of means that Armin was trying to achieve in, in trying to deceive Flock. But yeah, there are situations where here, like with the Jaegerists, you know, they could they're your former friends, but again, they're they're not fighting the right cause. And not to like justify that they they need to die because they're not supporting the right thing, but sometimes that's like. It's what the situation calls for, basically. Yeah, and I think it was kind of fate that Armin got shot through the jaw and couldn't talk because you could tell... Daz was the other character, right? Yeah, Daz or Daz. You could tell he was desperately wanting to talk to Daz and Samuel in that moment and try to convince them otherwise, but physically could not. And so the, the... the zoom in on Armin's eye and just looking at how desperate he was in that moment. I think he was trying to talk or trying to communicate or convey his feelings to Daz mm. by staring at him so intensely, like just through his his view or um, through like basically smiling with your eyes, like that whole concept of like communicating through your eyes. Yeah. I think that's what he was trying to do in this moment to Daz to try and say like, please don't fucking do this. Like we, we can talk this out even though I physically can't because the other dude shot me in the fucking face. Could have pulled a comb and just grabbed a, a piece of paper and a pen next yeah. to him. And was like, don't do this. I think it was a very, it, it was a look of desperation. That's, that's what I was trying to get at earlier. That's the the phrase I was trying to, to pull out of my ass is he looked so desperate trying to just communicate but not being able to in that moment. And then it just got harder as Connie panicked because he needed to save Armin, shot both of them, screams a horrible, pain-filled scream, and then in the middle of it, it just cuts off. And that's what the end of the episode. <laughs> it's It was like a perfectly timed scream, and, and the, the cut was perfectly timed, and it just hit so fucking hard. I feel so bad for Connie. Yeah, it just lingers with you, even after you... You don't hear the scream, and it goes to the well, the to, to be continued um, card. Yeah. <sighs> and then we have the preview for the next episode. I don't know what to expect. All I noticed was Mikasa looks savage as fuck in one of those yeah, that, moments. Like that war paint, even though I think it's blood. It's blunt. She like wipes it off and like mm-hmm. flings it to the ground. Shit's going to go down in the next episode. That's all I took away from the preview. It looks really, really intense. Yeah, the title of it is um, Retrospective, um, episode 86. Uh, a retrospective meaning like looking back on or uh, dealing with past events or situations. So I'm curious to know how this is going to play in the plot of this episode. I guess my, I guess my biggest questions um, is if Armin's Colossal Titan 
will come into play and be like a deciding factor in this battle against the Jaegerists on this dock. Although I, it feels like most of the Jaegerists have been wiped out at this point, but we'll see in the next episode. And then my second uh, question is, will Flock finally fucking die? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that that title has me scratching my head. I just think of Captain Hindsight. <laughs> Retro, yeah. Retrospect. South Park. Like, what are they going to reflect on in the midst of, or in the heat of this battle? Yeah, do they even have time to think? There's so much shit going down. But uh, yeah, it's going to be another great episode next week. And that brings us to our final thoughts for this episode of Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 85, Traitor. So how many titan tag teams out of 10 would you give this episode i would give it an 8 out of 10 no an 8.5 out of 10 and i i think the action was really exciting but what carried this episode again oh my god if you heard that that was rigby (laughs) he let out a big yawn i'm sorry dog were you agreeing with that score i think he's saying that (laughs) i think he's saying that uh he's hungry because he's he's way past dinner time um but i I would give it an 8.5 mostly because of how incredible the the writing was in this episode not just in the bubble of this episode but the tie-ins to previous episodes um, the intensity behind what Connie and Armin are forced to do and the toll that it's obviously taking on them. There was just, the, the writing was so beautiful in this episode. And it may not be as obvious as say like the writing in Two Brothers or the one episode that confused the shit out of everybody. I don't remember the title of it. What was it called? Two Brothers? Wait, was Two Brothers the one where they go through the memories? Oh, that's was... Memories of the Future. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like those two episodes, the writing was obviously on fire. Here, I think it's just as on fire, but a little, it's a little more subtle. Again, because you kind of have to know who Samuel is by looking back on certain episodes, or you kind of have to understand the importance and the parallels behind what's happening with Connie, Armin, and Annie, and even Reiner um, by going back to season two. And again, we'll share all of these clips so that everyone can have full context around it if you're in the Discord. So I think that is what really impressed me about this episode. And, of course, the hype is back. Like, the action is back. It was hype as fuck. I'm excited for things to pick up again. So, yeah, I'd say 8.5 is is definitely the score for this episode. What about you? Yeah, I would give it um, an 8 out of 10. I thought it was an episode that handled a pretty fluid transition from exposition to action. Again, with the Eldia um, Avengers. Eldia Avengers beginning their project towards Aaron and the the rumbling convoy. Um, it gives the parodies party of the LD Avengers their first test in their alliance of whether or not they are willing to to do what is necessary to reach their end goal of stopping Aaron. Uh, so it's really posing that more moral philosophical question of whether the ends do justify the means. So as much as we've been applying that to Aaron and the rumbling, I think it also applies here with Connie and Armin's decision and um, everyone in the in the LDA, LDA Avengers. Uh, and again, with what Courtney mentioned, just bringing it full circle with how they are being presented with a s- similar situation that Reiner, Berthold, and Annie had to face when they infiltrated uh, the walls of Paradis. Um, and I get just thinking about episode title here, uh, 
just who the real traitors are in this episode. As we've kind of discussed, it's Carmen, Carmen, Connie and Armin. Hey, I like that. You know what? People are going to ship them after Carmen. the one episode where like our, uh, Connie falls on top of Armin All right. and they look like they're they're in love or some shit. That's their name, Carmen. Carmen. Okay. Well, I hope I wasn't the first to coin that then. Um, but yeah, I think it's Connie, Armin, uh, the members of uh, the LD Avengers kind of being viewed as traitors. I guess you could also consider Magath a traitor, a traitor to like his Marlian ideals and finally reconciling with what it means to really bring about peace in the world um, rather than to continue the cycles of violence. Uh, I think in any case, uh, Traitor, the episode uh, presents an interesting idea of like betrayal and treachery here as kind of the means to seek a positive outcome which is the prevention of the world's destruction though it still carries its disheartening connotations and consequences as we saw through what Armin and Connie had to do with their Jaegerist friends so very interesting episode overall and I can't wait for next week and then after next week is the one week gap. And then after that one week gap, where hopefully we get some information on how the rest of the story is going to play out, we get the final episode of part two. And then we'll see. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy that we're almost 12, 13 weeks in because yeah, it'll be 13 weeks with the, the additional skip week. And I don't know if I'm ready to like process all of this. I, I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. ready for it to end. I, I already... We all know we're going to have a big hole in our heart once this amazing show has ended, but I'm scared of when that moment comes. I'm not ready for it. I I don't know if it's going to end after two episodes. I think it's it's really obvious by now. So Yeah, no, I'm not saying like, it's going to end with part two of the season. There's definitely more to mm-hmm. come. And again, I'm not mad about getting more Attack on Titan content. That's fucking amazing. I'm just scared of like the true end. And then yeah. like, what am I going to do? I'm going to have like depression after that i don't know (laughs) yeah i think i'm at this point i'm just more concerned about how the show is going to fucking end and after i know that like i'll probably just ruminate on it a little bit what does ruminate mean Um, i've never heard that word (laughs) is that a word (laughs) i think it's more uh to think deeply about something i always associated it with like urinate for some reason ruminating on something i learned a new (laughs) word today thank you (laughs) yeah i'm just gonna think it over however they choose to end the series whether it be movie or part three um kind of process my thoughts on that and i think after that once i realize like oh this is it this is finally the end that's where I will start to be more reflective on the series and just just ponder how much of an impact it's had on my life and how to fill that void. That's when we restart the whole show to go back and find all of the the <laughs> hints that they dropped along the way. I can't I, just as exciting for me as like finishing the show is rewatching it just to like really fully appreciate the incredible writing um, that Isayama has like achieved, the, the level of writing that he's achieved by seeing basically him tell us the entire story right off the bat and us never fucking realizing it the first time around. Yeah, I think I'm going to need like a year or two before I restart the series. Not so, me. So. I'm impatient as fuck. I'm going to restart <laughs> no, it right like away. <laughs> I, I, need, I, would have, I would need to just 
have the ending just sit with me for a while. Okay, and, that's fair. But yeah. then I'm going to be like tapping your shoulder like, hey, let's let's start yeah, watching like, it. Yeah, like three hours after the <laughs> end of it, I'm sure. Let's go. I, I, don't, want, I don't have any time to waste. I, I can't wait for, for the rewatch. Um, but that... That I think wraps it up because Rigby is very hungry. He wants his dinner. And when Rigby wants his dinner, we got to give him his dinner. The whole world comes to a stop. Yeah, he's looking at us like we're traitors. Yeah, giving us those puppy eyes. But uh, thank you, everyone, for for tuning in. Um, it's going to be a great episode next week based on what the preview showed us. So be sure to tune back in. And that wraps up the special episode of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service. You can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday and when new Attack on Titan episodes are released every Wednesday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageyo. Shinzo wa sasageyo.